Welcome to Spark, Careers in Agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, President at Paulson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Spark. Today, we're going to do something a little different. We're in our portable studio and visiting with a mother and daughter, both involved in agriculture. I'd like to introduce to you Sue Tronchetti and Lisa Tronchetti. Sue is on several boards, including Landis Cooperative in Ames, Iowa, Nationwide Insurance, and Home State Bank in Jefferson, Iowa, and is also an entrepreneur as co-owner of Tronchetti and Tronchetti Farming and Crop Insurance Sales. Lisa is a dairy products merchandiser for Gavilon here in Omaha, where she has worked for the last five years. So this is going to be a great conversation for our Spark audience because you too will be able to share different perspectives based on where you are, each at in your careers. So let's start by having each of you tell us about your current role and perhaps what a perfect work day would be like for you. And Sue, we'll start with you. My current role is more of an entrepreneur and um, governance and um, company boards. So as an entrepreneur, it's farming, um, crop insurance is seasonal. Both of those are seasonal, so that frees me up quite a bit to pursue these other governance opportunities. And with that, I would say every week's different. Every day's different. Some weeks are fairly open and I can enjoy the seasons and the farming, and other weeks are busy traveling and being involved. So Lisa, tell us about your perfect day. I've been a dairy merchandiser at Gavilon for five years. And as a merchandiser, one of the nice things that uh, I have found is that things are a little bit different every day. You know, we have our typical things we're doing every day where we're coming in and paying attention to the markets, tracking our positions, monitoring our P&Ls, working with our customers. But then there's always new challenges that are presented by the markets, by logistical issues, um, by weather issues in different parts of the country. So although I would say I'm doing some very similar things every day, um, like working with customers and suppliers and handling logistics, there's always a new challenge that comes up um, that keeps the job very interesting and fun. So I think what's going to be really interesting for our audience is for you guys to kind of take a look back at how you grew up, how that influenced the decisions that you made, how did you make a decision about where you went to school, kind of how your life unfolded and got you to the point where you're at. So again, Sue, we'll start with you. Okay, I grew up on a farm in southern Iowa, and it was a cattle farm along with a corn and soybean farm. So um, I was always involved in agriculture, 4-H, Uh, always attracted to, at the time, would be considered more male-oriented roles. I ended up at Iowa State, originally thought I would go into veterinary medicine, Uh, found that people interaction was more likable for me than the sciences and the math that were involved in uh, veterinary medicine. So I moved to agricultural business. The rest is history, I guess. I ended up right out of Iowa State as one of the first few women in agribusiness and was hired by West Central Cooperative as a grain trader. 
did that for several years, stopped to have family when Lisa came along for a couple years, and then um, moved into a pioneer seed business and the crop insurance business. So that's when my entrepreneurial career started. Being an entrepreneur in ag business attracted people that wanted diversity in their boardrooms. And I think that is when I started getting opportunities on the governance side of business. Because you've been on three boards or four or five? Uh, West Central, well, my very first board was Home State Bank. And I was in my 30s. So it was, I was young to be asked to be on a bank board. But I think the um, business owner, female in agriculture, was that attraction. And uh, from there, it kind of snowballs. Then people know you're interested in service and involvement. You get more opportunities. All right, Lisa, how about you? So I also grew up on a farm raised by Sue and (laughs) and my dad. Growing up on the farm, we were definitely always involved uh, with, I would say, animal agriculture through 4-H. But then we were also mostly a corn and soybeans farm. So I got to see different aspects of agriculture. Although I really enjoyed growing up on the farm and enjoyed 4-H, I don't think that agribusiness was ever anything that I really thought when I was growing up I would go into. And what really changed that for me was when I was a junior or senior in high school and trying to decide where I wanted to go to school. Um, My mom kind of talked to me and helped me through that decision. And ended up taking me to Iowa State, which I absolutely loved. And then when we started talking about, well, what maybe do you want to do, she had um, recommended agribusiness to me. So took me and introduced me to some people in the college that she knew that worked in agriculture. And I think that that was probably, you know, one of the key turning points when I said, okay, agribusiness sounds like a it would be a good fit, and it sounds like there would be a lot of opportunities in this career path that I think even growing up on a farm, I just didn't really realize. I would say that those are kind of the things in my background that really brought me to agribusiness. So are you willing to admit that maybe your mom had a little bit of influence on where you ended up? Oh, absolutely. All right. I'm always curious (laughs) about that because you worry as a parent that you're like, okay, I don't want, you got to make up your own mind, but... Mm -hmm. You know, you just feel like you can see so many things maybe that your kids can't see. Exactly. Um, I think you're guiding me in that direction. I don't think I would have gotten there without that little bit of guidance on my own. So, One thing I think that's interesting about careers in agriculture is that you can almost pick any path to go down and still do that in ag. I mean, there's so many facets to agribusiness that I think are, you know, a lot of people just think, oh, it's just farming or it's just whatever aspect of it. And most of us um, will have more than one career in our life. And so that diversity of education and approach to uh, a broad marketplace gives us so many opportunities. I know I've certainly changed my career a couple times, and most of us will. So we talked a little bit about influences and what kind of helps you guide you down a path. So if you've had some career changes, what were the influences that kind of tipped you a different direction? My trading career was very high pressure, very time commitment, very structured around the markets. And I think um, 
while I was raised to believe women can have it all, and I think we can, there are some influences in life that can make that easier or harder. And I reached a point where the stresses of uh, trading became not enjoyable along with my family time. So I had an opportunity to um, have my own business and uh, that gave me some freedom as all of us know that are business owners, we probably put in more time, yeah. but maybe we do it in a way that fits around our life a little better. And so that opportunity to move into a pioneer seed business and the um, crop insurance business gave me that. A little more seasonable work and uh, still fit very well with my love of agriculture and working with producers. So um, it was an easy fit for me. So it was really kind of the stress of that and really not loving what you were doing anymore that kind of prompted you to make a change. Uh, yeah, I found you can absolutely love a career and maybe you reached um, your potential or your interest and it's time to move on and learn something new. I like learning and new challenges. So I think that keeps me moving to some of these other opportunities. So any other influences in your life? Well, since I've started my career, um, there have definitely been influences in my life um, from people that I work with at Gavilon and also people that I work with in the industry that definitely helped me out as I was starting out as a new woman in my career. And I would say, you know, most influential for me has just been how many people have been so willing to help teach when you're younger. And I'm not sure, I would think maybe that's in all industries, but I found that in the agricultural industry and specifically too in the dairy industry that I was working in, people were always very willing to share information and help me learn as a young trader and merchandiser in that space. So there were a few people um, that I worked with within the industry that I would say were very influential in my first few years. And then my manager was extremely influential and continues to be influential in my career and my path of learning within Gavilon. So kind of a mentor, maybe even right. almost mm -hmm. like, so have you ever been a mentor, Sue? Uh, not formally, but certainly have encouraged both male and female people to get involved in roles and uh, leadership opportunities. And coming up, I have a young lady that has contacted me that wants to be much more involved in agriculture. So in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna have lunch. I'm gonna see what she's interested in and then put her in touch with other contacts through agriculture and, and find a fit for her because she's anxious to uh, contribute. We need the brightest minds to be coming into agribusiness because we, we know we've got the biggest challenge to solve, you know, which is to keep the world fed into the future. So, so have you ever been a mentor, Lisa? I've been involved in a couple of different mentoring programs, both formal and more informal, and on both sides as a mentee and a mentor. Um, and I would say I have found the mentoring side of it to be sometimes more challenging than being the mentee. And I don't know if it's mm -hmm. just, it's, and it's definitely the newer piece of it for me. You know, you aren't really a mentor when you're younger and starting out. So, um, 
But I think, you know, one of the things that I've been learning a lot more about lately is the difference, too, between, like, mentors and sponsors. And um, I think as you kind of start to identify those differences, you can have people like kind of what you're talking about, where Mm -hmm. someone approaches you and says, how can you help me in my career with introducing me to people and different things? Um, So you have people like that that are in your life, and then you have mentors that are maybe formal or informal that you can talk to about daily things that are going on and, hey, I need just a little advice or help with this. And so I think that's been um, something that I learned as I became a mentor, too, as I kind of used to think, okay, well, I can't really be a mentor unless I'm influential enough to be a sponsor. And I don't think that is the case. I think you can still help mentor people even when you're younger. So for our audience, maybe you could go into a little bit of detail on the distinction between a sponsor and a mentor, because I'm, I'm not sure our audience would know the difference between the two. Right. So I think the key thing for a sponsor is that it's somebody that maybe is a little bit more influential. So in my company, it would be somebody that I've connected with who would be, for example, a vice president that I can then really talk to about these are my career aspirations. How can you help me get there? And then they would be willing to connect you and, you know, bring your name up when maybe there's an opportunity or a role that comes up. You really want your sponsor to be somebody that maybe has a bit more influence in wherever you're trying to go. Whereas a mentor could be, you know, somebody in a similar role, but it's somebody more so that you're going to have more conversations about, more like learning conversations about, this is what's challenging in me right now. What would you do if you were me? Or more so conversations like that versus a sponsor where it's, not to sound rude, but you know, what can you do for me? And how can you do this for sure. me? So you want to make sure it's somebody influential. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know, where a mentorship could be more of a, even a peer-to-peer thing, just exactly. to talk things through. And I think at any point in your career, you can be almost on either side of that fence in terms of being a mentee or a mentor. And I find when you mentioned that it was harder to be a mentor, I think a lot of it is because you are, you really learn a lot more than you anticipate you're going to when you're mentoring. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just those conversations that you have you know, that end up being so important. Okay, so let's maybe switch gears a little bit and talk a bit about um, what you think some obstacles have been into where you ended up now. So Sue, again, we'll we'll start with you on any obstacles you feel like you came up against and how you overcame them. When I sat and thought about that, certainly the male-female roles or uh, preconceived notions have been a challenge over the years. Um, nothing unexpected, nothing unsurmountable, but that is there. As a trader, there were men that didn't want to trade with a woman and I had a very supportive employer that said yes you will because <laughs> she's the trader you know I've walked into boardroom situations or meeting situations where somebody's thought that I'm the exec the assistant and I have to walk up and shake my hands and introduce and then it's fine you know then everything is very smooth but uh, there has been a little bit of that The other challenge, I think, is self-imposed. I think um, as you have opportunities and as you're asked to step out of your comfort zone, it has been 
my uh, self-influence that I've had to work on. It's been, I have to get over a discomfort level of walking into a room where I know no one. I might be the only woman, um, that type of thing. And it's, you know, it it's constant because you say, well, am I prepared for this? And you always want to be more educated, more prepared than I think you ever are. And um, so that's that's still one of my um, obstacles is myself. And I, I have to work on that. I think that's something we all work on. I'm yes. in the same boat mm-hmm. as you are. Uh-huh. It's funny because I was thinking about this and had written down a very similar answer when I was taking my notes is when I really think about tough times that I've had in the last five years of my career, it's been when for some reason something has happened and I find myself with um, a lack of self-confidence at a certain point. Uh, And I think that's the hardest thing is when you find, okay, I've lost my self-confidence because of maybe a mistake that I've made or something that didn't go my way. But then really you have to learn how to, you know, talk yourself back off the ledge. And I think that comes with like being more self-aware. I've really become a lot more self-aware in the last few years of how much of this is just in my head and do I need to just Mm -hmm. take a step back and say, hey, you're doing great. One mistake isn't going to ruin everything. You just need to reassess and then come back as confident as ever. <laughs> yep. You you know, the next day you will feel less bad about it. And then mm-hmm. after that, less bad. And you just have to go through that period of time of being mortified and dusting yourself <laughs> off. And <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> right. But I did want to touch on, too, where you talk about, you know, the male-female um, influences and how, you know, still in a trading career, there are a lot more men than women. But what I have found is the same thing is that having supportive managers and group directors that are sometimes men, sometimes women, but they're always supportive of, okay, a woman can do anything in this role and they're not treating you any different, uh, I think continues to be getting better in our industry. I would say similar to you, I feel like there's never been a challenge imposed on me for being just a woman that hasn't been easy to say, oh, that's not going to affect my career or my future. I would even add that while it can be an obstacle, it can also be a boost. You're, you're the person that sticks out because you're a little different. You're maybe the person that they say, oh, we need some diversity. Here's a great, strong woman that's that's uh, in the dairy industry, and we can use her influence. So um, I think it can be both. Sure, maybe a little bit of an advantage mm-hmm. at times mm-hmm. to, to stand out a little bit. Very good. So let's talk about some advice for these young women in our Spark audience for their careers. Either advice about how you picked a school or how you started in your career. Just any advice that you have for them. I would say some advice that um, I would want to give young women when they're looking at their options to go to school is to keep an open mind and maybe think about, okay, these are the things that I'm interested in, but where are there going to be some areas of great opportunity? Because for me, I kind of had an interest in business. Um, 
and in communication. And so thinking about that and looking at job opportunities and like, okay, I could go do just business or I could go do this kind of more specialized area of agribusiness. And I think there could be more opportunities and it could be something that plays off of my strengths and off of my background. So maybe, if, especially for young women that are listening, thinking about what they want to do with their futures, be a little bit tactical in your decision, not just saying, oh, this is what I think I want to do, but say, this is what I think I want to do, and it's because I have this in my background, and these are my strengths, and I think I can be really successful in this area. The other piece that I wrote down, especially for women that are kind of in my stage of the one to five years out of college, is that just always trying to improve your self-awareness so that you can keep your confidence levels up. I know in the last few years, I've found sources in books and podcasts and um, other you know, women in the industry that I can talk to and help improve my self-awareness and always, you know, keep my confidence at the level that I think it needs to be for you to perform well in your business. Um, so I would say, you know, when you, if you find yourself stumbling in those first one to three years, it's probably a lot of, it's probably a lot of what's in your head and you just need to refocus and rebuild your own self-awareness and confidence. Yeah, I think that's a great set of advice. I think um, oftentimes they don't take the opportunity to do things like public speaking, things that, you know, little by little will help build your confidence. And even if it's just um, be a lay lecturer at your church, just get up in front of an audience mm -hmm. and, and start talking and any opportunities you have like Toastmasters. I mean, there's ways you can do it actively, but that self-awareness I think is really it's really an interesting way to think about how you need to approach growing confidence yeah. in yourself. All right, Sue, what do you think would be good advice? When I was graduating from Iowa State, I had a very definite goal, a very preconceived notion of where I was headed. And I think we need to stay more open. I think it's great to have goals and plans, but life gives you so many opportunities that you didn't even think were out there or would be available to you. Stay open to things that weren't on your radar, but opportunities that may move you quite a bit the direction you eventually want to be anyway, or you may find a career that you never imagined you would enjoy. So keep an open mind. So I will ask you, since you've been in your career a little bit longer than Lisa has, are you surprised at where you ended up, that you ended up on this many boards or owning a business? Did you kind of end up surprising yourself? Absolutely. Um, at the end of my college career, I had decided that I wanted to go into banking. And like I said, I was one of the first women uh, out of Iowa State in agribusiness. It was a challenge to get people to think that direction. I ended up being... Um, a grain trader for West Central Cooperative. Very challenging, very fun career. I missed the 80s in banking. So uh, <laughs> I know. So it, it's kind of funny where life takes you and why. And then my second career was sales and entrepreneurship. And I never would have said sales was something I would consider and the opportunities there were financially and Mentally, socially, we're great. So um, 
once again. It was an opening that was um, there. I grabbed it and I went forward with it. So I think be, be open-minded to those things. And with the entrepreneurship brought on the um, governance and board opportunities. So. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a little bit different question. This is a question that's kind of you guys talking to each other a little bit, because I'm kind of curious about, you seem to have a wonderful relationship. And as a parent and daughter, it's always, you know, you want so much to help your kids make the best decisions possible, and yet you want them to be independent and making their own decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, can you guys maybe talk about what it's like to, to have, be giving the right amount of advice to you as, as you're starting out your career? What role should a parent play? Let's put it that way. I know I can always go to mom for advice when something's bothering me with work, and it's actually really great that she has the experience and the background that she does because she actually understands what I'm talking about when I'm upset about mm-hmm. something. Because, uh, you know, you always want to call and complain to your mom about something. <laughs> and, but I think, you know, what really I remember about your advice is you were always guiding like when you were helping me make the decision about Iowa State, but ultimately the one thing you always said to all of us kids was, I just want my kids to be happy. And that really takes the pressure off. It was never, I want you to be successful and I want you to be this or that. It was, I just want you to be happy. (laughs) And so I think, you know, it's giving that advice and guidance, but letting them know that you're, you're going to be happy as long as they're just making choices that are making them happy. Good job, mom. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you, Lisa. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was thinking of a funny story when she first started trading that I said, Oh, I should go back into trading. It was exciting. And Lisa says, you know, mom, that's a young dog's game. <laughs> and it was like, Oh, a mental slap. And then um, it, was it was a joke, of course. And I'm not beating up on you. But then within a year, she calls with a, Oh, I had a terrible weekend. I made a mistake. I need your advice on how to do this. And I said, I'm an old dog, Lisa. <laughs> but then, right. But then we sat down, and I said, you know, you you'll put together a plan. You you know why the problem went wrong. You um, you have a plan how to solve it. You go into work and tell them that, and then ask them what they would have done differently. But fess it all up. Go forward with your plan and um, I think everything turned out well. So that was an example of one of the definite advices that I gave, but yeah, I, I was uh, more in a supportive role, more I'm proud of her and her accomplishments and like to see her happy and doing well. I think she is, yeah. she seems to be. Yeah. So that's a, a great little tag on piece of advice that you gave though, because for sure, in your career, at any point, you're probably going to make a mistake. Odds are that you will. And to just own up to it right away is always, I think, really great advice. Just to confess your, confess your predicament and then start working your way back out of it. I think that's really good advice. That's one thing they told us when we were starting out as merchandisers was, we're never going to fire you for making a mistake as long as you tell us about it. <laughs> That holds in all industries, I can tell you. That is universally true. So let's talk a little bit about where the state of agriculture is today, because you both have kind of an interesting perspective from your own side. And again, we'll 
We'll start with you, Lisa, on this. What's what are you most concerned about in your sphere of influence within agribusiness? Within my sphere of influence right now, which would be, you know, dairy and food, one of the things that probably impacts me the most would be the direction of trends like GMO free, um, all natural, different food additives or, you know, antibiotics and hormones that might be being used in the cows. And so that would be, I guess, within agriculture, one of the biggest trends and discussion topics that I think is impacting U.S. dairy and my business right now is we have a lot of friction between what the consumers are saying they're wanting and then what the multinational food companies are saying this is what the consumer wants and what the dairies aren't necessarily ready for and agree is the correct course of action. So figuring out how to, you know, moderate maybe what the consumers are asking for and also moderate what the producers are willing to give, I think is going to be a big challenge within our industry. So not necessarily a communications issue as much as a what they're producing? Is that kind of how you look at it? I think there is a little bit of a communications issue with what the consumer is being told. I think it's a very confusing time to be a consumer of food products. When all of a sudden you hear that one thing is bad, you immediately start thinking, well, what else is in my food that could be bad? And so I think that there's, it's a communication on both sides. It's a you know, communication, communicating to you and educating the consumer a little bit better. We work with some incredibly progressive dairy farms. I think that they understand why the consumer is asking for the things that they want, but they're just saying, you know, we understand that there's a fear surrounding like GMOs and any antibiotics and hormones and things like that. But they're just saying, before we just say, let's get rid of all of it, maybe we could try to do a little bit more education for our consumers and do some more honest marketing for them. So I think it's communication on both sides. And it's, you know, the producers saying, you know, we just want to be able to make our position known as well. Yeah, I think there's a big lack of understanding of what actually happens to bring nutritious and safe food in a really economical way. And we have so much variety and so much, you know, it's almost almost overwhelming and how lucky we are that it's that way, really. Sue, what are you seeing on your side? As far as concerns, um, one would be human capital loss. As I look at the ag industry and the age of management and the depth of experience that we're losing, I worry about um, that and how we're replacing human capital. The other thing that I think affects that is the mergers within the industry takes away some of those opportunities that um, employees had at within smaller companies that maybe they don't get now. So that's another way that we're kind of robbing some of that experience in human capital. So I think it's really important to um, support and give opportunities to our employees for experience and leadership. Same with the boards. Um, 
that way. Um, the other thing I'm worried about is ag policy and how small a voice, how small a number of voice we really have and how we um, all need to get involved in ag policy. The Farm Bill's coming up in a year. Yep. Uh, I, I had um, heard it said that when the last Farm Bill was written, we were in a very healthy part of our ag economy. And DC did not hear from producers. They heard from our ag groups, but not our producers. So I really think as we go into a more stressed time and we're, we're doing this ag bill, individuals, producers, our commodity groups, everyone needs to work together and send a bigger voice to DC. The other thing I would say, continue to want to see diversity within agriculture and especially the boardroom. Um, there are many companies, food companies included, that have no women on their boards. Well, women buy 90% of the food and they're not reason represented in the boardroom, I think that's a concern that we need to keep working on. That's very true. And all of those are things that can be addressed just by people stepping up. Right. You know, we there are producers getting their voices heard locally, state level, and at the federal level in terms of what needs to happen for policy and, and in the boardrooms. It's, it's young women like you, Lisa, that are going to be stepping up and filling those roles. So part of it's really great opportunity for this next generation coming up. And there's, there'll be huge opportunities for you as, as diversity becomes something that people are more aware of and are thinking about, for sure. Of those things that are both on your radar and your sphere of influences, is there any one thing that you guys could change in any one of that? What would that be? We'll start with you, Lisa. I guess just continuing on kind of what I was speaking about within, within my sphere of influence is I wish there was a way to more clearly market a food product. It just seems like there's so much confusion and I know I don't have the answer for the best way to educate our consumers on the difference between GMO free and natural and um, hormone free and antibiotic free, but it just seems like there's so much misunderstanding out there. If I could do something, I think it would be to better educate the consumer on what they're actually eating so that they could better make choices that then will impact what we're going to be able to do as an agricultural industry going forward from growing and manufacturing products. Yeah, I think we have so many opportunities to use science to really have better and better and better nutrition mm -hmm. um, and stability and crops and all sorts of things that, that can benefit humanity. And I worry that we're going to lose that edge because of fear. Right. And that's, that would really be a tragedy. All right. So, Sue, what do you think? What would you change if you could change one thing? When I talked about loss of human capital within agriculture, I also look at leadership and governance. And um, it's challenging. It's fun. And many of us like to continue just exactly in the spots where we are. And I think we need to be more proactive at building young leaders, getting people involved, being willing to step aside at some point and give someone else those reins. And I, I see um, some careers in um, leadership that should maybe be more focused on that. 
So that's a goal for myself. I think that hopefully that's a goal for many people. And um, I think that will keep agriculture strong as we face some of these challenges. Agreed. Bring up that next generation. Mm -hmm. And I think you, to your point, that's really true. You're gonna, there's going to have to be some selflessness in, in some of these positions right. to really see other new people step in and take responsibility. And there's a balance between needing the wisdom and the experience and bringing in the millennials who want to serve and be involved. And let's get them involved when they want to serve because we don't want them to lose that interest and go into another career or, or get so focused on just their little part of the world that they they don't contribute like they'd like to right now. Big question here. So it'll be this will be different for both of you because of the, just the place that you're at in your career. So to ask the question to you this way, when you have stepped aside from all these roles that you've been in, what would you hope people would say about you? Well, from a governance perspective, I hope they say that um, I was wise and that I was diligent in looking out for the best interest of the companies and members that I was involved in. From there, just that I was good to work with, good to communicate with, and made a difference while I was there. Lisa, if you were just away for a week, what do you hope people would say for, about you? When I was describing my career, I get the opportunity to work with a lot of different customers and a lot of different suppliers. And what I always hope that people think of me is that when they pick up the phone and call me, they're calling me because they know, like, I actually really want to help solve their problems. So um, I think, you know, if I was gone for a week and they called up and, um, you know, were able to say, we really like working with Lisa because she, we can always count on her to help us out when we're in a pinch and we need something or whether it's something trivial and we need something because she's just always here to serve the customer and serve the supplier. And I think that that really helps me, my business, it's helped me be successful in my business. And so that's what I hope they would say. Okay, final question. Is there a question out there that I haven't asked you or that no one has ever asked you, but you've got a great answer to it and you wish someone would? Sue, we'll go back to you first this time. It's, you have a goal. Maybe you never get there or you have a failure. It's how you approach it, it, how you learn from it. Don't let that set you back. And, and I think this was advice I gave my children too. This didn't work out what you wanted because something else will. And there's another opportunity right around the corner or there's another success right around the corner. And we just need to be self-aware of that and be ready for that next success or opportunity. Have a little bit of grit. Just yes, dust grit. yourself off and yeah. keep going. Uh, Lisa, how about you? I was thinking, this was a really hard question for me, but when I was thinking about it, something that popped into my mind was I was speaking with some ag business students, and they kind of asked me, like, but how do you know what the market's going to do? Like, how are you so successful at your business? And I kind of laughed and I like really liked my answer because I said, 
if I knew what the market was going to do, I would not be here right now. I'd be on my yacht in the Bahamas sailing around for the rest of my life. Like nobody knows what it's going to do, but it's in that in our business and in any business, it's just all about collecting the resources that you can and making the best decisions that you can with them. So I think sometimes when we're students or just starting out, we think that there's these people in the industry that are just omnipotent and know exactly what's <laughs> know exactly what to do. And it's been funny to find out that that really just isn't the case. <laughs> you mean there aren't? Oh, yeah, that's really true. And it's actually really good advice in the approach to everything you take in life is gather as much data as you can, make the best decision that you can. So any final bits of advice for our audience before we wrap up? I would just say, enjoy what you do. Don't work at a job you don't enjoy. There's, there's lots of opportunities out there. And being happy and enjoying what you do affects your family, it affects your life, and um, it makes a good life when you are happy and content in your career. Very true, very, very true. Lisa, any final advice? Don't get so focused on your job that you miss out on opportunities to develop other interests and get involved in other areas. You know, like I've living here, I've moved to Omaha and I didn't um, grow up around here. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to get more involved in the community as a member of Junior League and volunteering with other groups. And I think that it's important to um, you know, focus on your career. It's going to be a big part of your life and you want to make it successful, but make sure that you're not ignoring your other interests and developing yourself in other areas as well, whether that's community involvement or your family or in your um, spiritual involvement. Very true. Well, a well-rounded life with a job you love. Yes. That's, that's our combo of those <laughs> two pieces of advice. Well, thank you, Sue, and thank you, Lisa. This has been an awesome interview and great advice for our audience. Really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. It's been fun. And that's this episode of Spark. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.